Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. He is just an obsessive goal scorer. But they have to understand I chose to, to stay in my country because I'm French. And... And we're live. Welcome out to Champions Future Friends. Drop in your comments and questions in the chat and make sure you smash the like and subscribe buttons as we give you our World Cup 2026 power rankings on the House of Champions style. A little bit later on, I've got my good man, Jonathan Johnson, to break down everything that's going on in France right now after that World Cup final. JJ, how are you doing, buddy, first and foremost? Yeah, doing well, thanks. Uh, enjoyed the first couple of days without the World Cup, trying to catch my breath. Uh, how about yourself? I'm full on in burnout mode right now. I don't want to get out of bed. I don't want to leave my house. I want to eat junk food. I am struggling big time. Oh yeah, and guess what? Christmas is uh, three days away, so four days away. So I'm really, <laughs> I'm really struggling at this moment in time. I'm going on the fumes of the World Cup, but always happy to see you, my friend. So let's get stuck into it because in France right now, there's a lot of action happening since that World Cup, and you're the perfect person to talk about it, covering French football in great depth. I mean, first and foremost, what has the reaction been like since the World Cup? The players have come back. It looked like there was a lot of people in attendance really applauding the performance from the players, which they thoroughly deserved. Um, but what was the overall reaction from the public? I mean, the overall reaction has been positive. It's obviously one of disappointment to lose a final. Any, you know, any nation, any supporters of their country are going to be disappointed to lose a final. But I think there was an appreciation that France managed to rally in the way that they did, made it respectable. Uh, and I think that's why the, you know, the turnout to greet the players when they came back at Place de la Concorde was so... Uh, so much better uh, than perhaps the players were expecting. I know that there's been some reports coming out saying that the players weren't really convinced about wanting to go in front of the public and that it was uh, President Macron who convinced them to, to go and, uh, you know, join the join their fans and the, the masses who had gathered to, to greet them back. And, you know, I, th I think they deserved it as well, because although we can say that they were disappointing for a large part of that final, which they were, there's no there's no 
you know, shirking the the fact that they weren't there for for the first hour or so. Uh, you know, they did come back, they did compete, and they, you know, they gave a lot to to get there. You know, it was a month of really high emotions. Uh, you know, a lot of French people really got absorbed into into following Les Bleus again in the in the World Cup. And although they fell short in their bid to, you know, uh, successfully defend their title, there's only two other teams that have ever done that in history, and certainly none. Uh, you know, in modern times, so there's nothing that they can really you know, or should really hold the, you know, against themselves. But obviously with France's exit, uh, you know, from the World Cup comes a lot of sort of the the stories that have been boiling just beneath the surface uh, in the final days leading up to that final. JJ, I was so impressed with France. I was so impressed. I mean, as you mentioned there, it's very difficult to repeat. It's very difficult to go far in a World Cup following a World Cup victory. But the way that the team came together after all of the injuries, a lot of the noise going into the World Cup, many people doubted them. I actually predicted them getting to the final and losing the final against Brazil. But I, I didn't have any confidence in them making that happen. I was sort of hopeful that they would get there. But when you look at the talent that they have in depth because of all of these injuries, the future looks incredibly bright for French football and I think everyone needs to sit back and admire what France Football Federation has done with the young players and um, with the coaches hiring and obviously we can get to that in a minute and, and keeping Deschamps on for another World Cup I mean pretty much every decision was a good one for French football and getting to a final was a real result of that they were terrific a lot of superstars and unsung heroes came out of this world cup as far as i'm concerned performances from certain players who i didn't expect it from rabio i thought was terrific Gritzman hadn't seen him play like that in forever chua many even though unfortunate in the final was unreal in this final um in this world cup finals there's a lot of superstars and a lot of positives to take from this competition for the french football federation to grow and build on yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, I think we all knew that France had the ability, uh, you know, within their group of players to go deep in the tournament, despite the absentees, despite the players dropping out through injury. Uh, you know, and I think there's a lot to be said as well for the continuity uh, factor that Didier Deschamps managed to instill uh, over the last 10 years uh, or so in charge. You know, they barely underperformed uh, a big international tournaments and you know considering you know the defending champions curse and all of that that we're talking about you know in the build-up to the tournament they didn't show any of that uh you know they looked absolutely the bit uh that you know they played the part of defending champions extremely well uh and you know i think there's a lot of reasons to feel confident for the future uh, i mean i do think that had Deschamps had all of the, you know, his his full strength squad available to him, uh, you know, to pick going into the tournament that France might not have gotten as far as they went. Uh, I do think as well that he was fortunate that some of the players dropping out were not uh, that experienced spine of uh, winners from 2018. Like you said, great to see Griezmann back in form. I'd say the same for Rafael Varane as well, Hugo Lloris as well. Guys who may well not be there come 2026, Olivier Giroud as well. Uh, but, you know, that like you said, there's so much young talent coming through. I mean, look, you look at some of the records that, that Kylian Mbappe has, has knocked down uh, this tournament and, you know, he continues to do at club level as well. We're lucky to be able to see him, uh, you know, week in, week out in the, in the Champions League on Paramount+. Plus. Uh, you know, it feels like the world is this French team's oyster, especially if Kylian Mbappe, you know, can continue on his current trajectory. I mean, to turn up in a World Cup final in that way, you know, having been 
you know, sort of cut out of the game for the best part of, you know, that first 80 minutes and then to suddenly come alive, bag yourself a hat trick, you know, to score four goals on the day. Because let's not forget that he put himself up first to take the penalty as well, which takes massive, massive nerves. Uh, you know, so I think that Le Bleu, in terms of looking towards the future, uh, are certainly in a good place. And like you said, there's some other guys now who have also staked their claim for, uh, you know, more serious involvement moving forward, certainly with uh, a view to the Euro next Euros and World Cup, like Clavio. Uh, you know, I think as well, when you look at the, the way that Koundé has performed, I'm not totally convinced by him at right back. We'll get to that in a, uh, yeah. a bit later. But, uh, you know, I definitely think there is a place for him uh, in the in the starting eleven. Theo Hernandez as well. Uh, and, uh, you know, Usman Dembele, yes, he had a disappointing final, but overall, uh, you know, certainly, uh, you know, made a big contribution uh, for the French. Uh, and I think now it feels like it's time for France to move on from some of the, the more experienced players. Uh, you know, sure, they don't have to be phased out immediately, but, you know, I don't think sort of in terms of the next cycle going into the Euros, going into the World Cup, I mean, I think there's probably some players who will look at it now and maybe feel it's time to step aside. Hugo Lloris said that he's going to need to take a bit of time to to make his decision. Uh, Didier Deschamps himself, uh, you know, basically has his future in his own hands now, as you'd expect, uh, you know, getting France to, to a final against the odds. But it just, you know, it feels like despite the fact that many people would perhaps suggest that it's kind of doom and gloom, uh, you know, it, at the end of the day, it was already a success for France once they've made it to the final. I'd even argue that getting to the semi-final, uh, you know, was a success. It was just the fact that they came up against Morocco already you know, a match that France couldn't afford to lose in that semi, yeah. uh, you know, that made sort of the final, the next uh, the next destination after that. JJ, I can't wait to get into the dirt and some of the controversial talking points since that World Cup. But let's welcome in, fresh off the back of his uh, 2026 Power Rankings article on CBS Sports. Make sure you go check that out. Let's welcome James Bench into the show. James, uh, how you doing, buddy? I'm not great, guys. I'm not great. Uh, I've got a boiler on the blink, so I may vanish at any minute. Um, for an extended <laughs> period. Um, but other, other than that, I mean, also, I, I've just been talking about this with my editor. There's, I mean, this we're all in this sort of same strange gray area where I know that, I mean, club football, obviously, is coming back probably sooner than some of us would like if we come to the Premier League. But these last few days after the uh, relentlessness, the, the, the feast of football, it's a bit of a famine now, isn't it? And... It's not a huge bank going on. And we, for the first time in what feels like years, we've kind of got to rustle up ideas and rustle up thoughts on, on grace <laughs> and empty space. James, I should not go and get out of bed. I'm just, I can't even oh, no. get out of bed. There's nothing to look forward to at this moment in time. I mean, thank God for my kids getting me out of bed. Uh, we're just talking about uh, France. Obviously, we're about to get into Karim Benzema and Didier Deschamps in just a moment. But how would you rate them overall, their World Cup appearance, James? Obviously, on the outside, looking into French football, getting to the final was quite the achievement. Yeah, I mean, the achievement was sensational and it was great to see because I did wonder, but it was great to see sort of some of the celebrations. Uh, I, I mean, JJ, you'll know better than me where exactly in Paris that was, but the... Uh, the Place de la um, Concorde. Yeah, it looked fun. I mean, it looked a lot nicer when it was full than it often does when it was empty. Um, <laughs> and uh, some lovely celebrations there. And that, that sort of speaks maybe to this the qualities of this France squad, who I didn't think played that well that often in this World Cup. And I know I've laboured this point before, but uh, they weren't great against England, weren't great against Morocco, and pretty underwhelming performances in the group stages as well. And kind of, you do have to set against that, that clearly this is a team that finds a way to win quite consistently. Um, and of course, you know, as JJ was alluding to there, 
the future is really, really bright. Um, and I know we'll come to talk about power rankings and the like, but you know, this normal, this, if you set this against Croatia, didn't their tournament feel like an ending? It, you know, it felt like it's not going to be this good again for a while, even though they have great young players with France. This just feels like more of a comma or a semicolon and they'll be back and it, they will look a bit different. You know, it's like, like uh, Avengers Endgame. You know that you're not going to see the same Avengers again in uh, the next time the film rolls around, but you know, you're not going to be waiting too long for another one of these blockbuster films. Yeah, it's a great point. All right, let's get into it, JJ. Obviously, Kareem Benzema making headlines in France um, after the World Cup on his birthday. Uh, timing very particular here and very interesting. He chose to retire from international football on his birthday. Thoughts overall on the timing of this announcement? Um, right decision for Kareem Benzema. And how would you assess his uh, French national team career overall? Yeah, I mean, uh, very interesting timing. Uh, you know, had a couple of uh, French international birthdays the last couple of days since the World Cup ended. You had Benzema yesterday, had Mbappe today. Uh, and it's, um, yeah, I mean, I'd say it's quite typical of uh, of, of Benzema, uh, you know, to, to probably go in quickly after the tournament to, to make it clear that he is not happy with, uh, you know, the, the situation uh, from the World Cup. Uh, and, you know, the fact that, this is his retirement unless something changes in terms of, uh, you know, the personnel, notably, uh, you know, whether um, Didier Deschamps remains uh, manager or not. I mean, it's it, summing up Benzema's international career is really, really difficult because you've got Benzema, the player who is a phenomenal talent, yeah. you know, a fantastic player, merited, uh, you know, his, his recent Ballon d'Or win. But internationally it's you know he's been majorly underwhelming for the most part uh you know I, I i would temper that with saying he was unlucky to pick up that injury on the eve of the world cup but he still missed five plus years of his international prime through sheer stupidity allowing himself to be associated with that attempted blackmail against matthew valbuena and you can't you know you can't defend uh you know him against that and you know the fact that you know, he wasn't found innocent and cleared of all charges, uh, you know, in the investigation to that, uh, you know, speaks to the fact that, you know, he, his, his association was, uh, you know, su substantial. So for me, I feel that Benzema, uh, it's, I mean, yeah, he, I can understand his frustration in that he has been in, in great form recently, but I think it, it lacks a bit of self-awareness now, because I think if we're being really fair and brutally honest with, uh, with Benzema, He's also starting to enter that phase of his career now where he's starting to get injuries. I don't know how many times he's he's broken down so far this season. What is it, like four or five already? Yeah. He's had these small injuries that have uh, set him back. Those aren't going to go away. They're only going to get more complicated. I mean, sure, if, if Zinedine Zidane replaces Didier Deschamps tomorrow, I'm sure he will want Karim Benzema back in his squad. But how how long has Benzema realistically got, uh, you know, with the French national team? I can't see him being around for another World Cup cycle, no matter how, uh, you know, good shape he keeps himself in. Because he has. I mean, that's that's been another achievement of Benzema's throughout his career. The fact that, you know, once he hit 30, he understood how to look after his body, get the most out of it in terms of being an athlete. Uh, you know, but unfortunately, you know, it wasn't enough to sort of win back the years that he'd lost, uh, you know, in terms of his international career with France. So Benzema's timing for this, uh, you know, completely selfish. Uh, and, you know, we will see now, I guess, whether Deschamps stays on or whether, you know, somebody else comes in. And when we say somebody else, we know the alternative is Zinedine Zidane. It will either be Deschamps leading this team or it will be Zidane. 
I want to get your opinion on that in just a moment here, but let me just throw in my two cents on the Kareem Benzema. You can never compare the Kareem Benzema that we have seen at club level compared to what we have seen at the French national team level. It's two completely different human beings, as far as I'm concerned. Two completely different superstars, really, as well. And I've been tremendously disappointed, James, uh, sorry, JJ, with um, what Benzema's done with the national team. You mentioned the controversial stories, but also... He could have offered so much to this French national team over the years. He could have been the difference maker when it comes to a final like this. Maybe he could have been problematic and they don't get to that final, like we have seen with him being a part of major tournaments in the past. But comparing him to club level, what I see is focused determination, a complete professional, as you mentioned, keeping care of his body and scoring goals for fun. He is fun to watch. And he, I couldn't be a bigger supporter of what he does at club level. But when I see him at the French national team, I don't, for some reason, I don't enjoy watching him play for France. I never have enjoyed watching him pull on a French jersey. And maybe it's down to that controversial story. James, you can jump in with your two cents here on this as well with Karim Benzema um, retirement news. But I've just, I'm actually glad he's no longer going to play for France anymore. Yeah, I think you kind of need to grit your teeth really and get this out of the way because... He is one of the best footballers in the world, although, of course, he's not even the best French footballer in the world. He is <laughs> he is that level, but he's also not going to be, certainly not going to be at the next World Cup, probably not going to be at the next Euros. I mean, this Indian summer for Karim Benzema has been one of the greatest stories in club football over the last few years. And it is brilliant that this guy that has subsumed his ego to make room for Cristiano Ronaldo is now getting the chance to be a star. But... He is not he, he is not a player you can build around. He's too old. There is a new generation ready to take over. And like this is awkward. And it's not great that that you know the, the post-World Cup has been taken over by a bit of rancor and conversation about well, if Deschamps left and, and Zidane came in, would Benzema came back? That's no reason to lose Deschamps. Like if you think Deschamps is the right manager, don't sack him because it means a 35-year-old will come back into the fold. If it's Mbappe, you sack anyone that needs sacking. You, you know, you you sack the whole national team if you have to, but not for Benzema. I mean, it's a, it's a shame, but I mean, he still gets his World Cup medal, by the way, and I, I, he deserves that. Yeah. All right, JJ, go on. Add a little bit here, and then let's get to Deschamps. I mean, I think to be honest, you know, we can lead this into into Deschamps because we know, you know, the the potential replacement for Deschamps will be Zinedine Zidane, and you know, whoever is, uh, you know, is is not the France manager moving forward will probably look to try and get back in at club level. Now, the debate I think that there is to be had, uh, you know, is whether you know, did at this point in time, Didier Deschamps is very much an international manager. He excels in that environment. He's fantastic uh, in terms of, you know, creating the the kind of chemistry you need in the squad. That was challenged, by the way, uh, by Benjamin Pavard. Some reports, uh, you know, in the wake of, uh, you know, France's final defeat, suggesting that there was, uh, a, you know, a disagreement between Deschamps and Pavard very early on in the World Cup, which would tally with the fact that we didn't see him after that initial appearance. Have you only just found that news out, JJ, or is that, was that something you previously knew about, that there was a disagreement now? No, no, uh, it, it's... It's only come to light since uh, the World Cup ended, but you could see that something was definitely, you know, off because Pavard, 
you know, had been a, a previously an integral part of Deschamps' team when uh, France went all the way in 2018. So it's not a surprise that some of those details are now coming to the surface because let's look at it as well. You know, if you're Didier Deschamps, you don't want any of this sort of stuff coming out during the tournament because then suddenly you've got all these different controversies. You can be sniped at in the press, which was already happening with regards to Benzema. And it's why, you know, Deschamps opted for the very wooden language approach in his press conferences of, you know, just wanting to move on to the next question, not even be lured into the trap of even talking about Benzema so that it can then be turned against him at some point leading into one of these big games. Unfortunately, I think he'll feel that, you know, the the job perhaps wasn't done quite well enough in that, you know, the questions were still put to him and the answers were still very awkward. But, uh, you know, I think generally, uh, you know, they did a fairly good job of, of keeping a lid on uh, on some of this stuff. Based mm-hmm. on the reports that have come out since, it's quite obvious that Benzema was trying to apply pressure, uh, you know, via, uh, you know, uh, whether it's club teammates or, you know, players that he gets on very well with within the international setup to be brought back on board. I know that there's reports from Spain that don't really help uh, Deschamps' case saying that, Benzema actually would have been fit by the end of the group stage uh, had he stayed with the team. But I, I think it's all by the by. At the end of the day, Didier Deschamps, going back to my original original point, is somebody who is made for this kind of tournament management. And he likes to work with a limited number of players. It's almost like the more testing the circumstances, the, the more he revels in it. Uh, and I really wonder now if Didier Deschamps can even return to, to work at club level. It's 10 years, more than 10 years since he would last manage a club team. Uh, you know, and although he has, uh, you know, two World Cup finals, one World Cup winner's medal as a coach, uh, you know, to his name, a uh, Euro final as well, obviously from 2016. I, it, you know, club football has changed a lot since then. And, you know, I think despite the fact that it's very obvious that Zinedine Zidane wants the job, I think that Didier Deschamps has done enough at this World Cup to suggest that he's perhaps not quite done at this level yet. I think I think Deschamps has very similar qualities to Gareth Southgate, uh, especially from what you're saying there, JJ. What, that it's bad not- teeth. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't know. It's not always, doesn't always have, I mean, this is the thing is when we talk about these in podcasts, in articles, on Twitter, it's all about the tactics. It's all about the... And I think in international football in particular, because you don't have time, especially this World Cup, you know, as much as I, and I criticised Deschamps, you know, I'm not perfect here. I've criticised him for the tactics and the approach that France took as well. But a lot of it is not about that. It's about people management. You can't, you can't sell a player you don't like from the France national team and swap him for someone that suits your characteristics. You've got to work with the people you have. You have to kind of be an ambassador for your country, especially if you manage like one of the big national teams. And I think, I think I actually mean, I mean, on the subject of Zidane, I think he would probably fit a lot of those boxes. You know, he, one of the things he was very good at at any Real Madrid manager has to be good at is ego management. But I think it is a more specialized set of skills than, than we might think. And maybe to an extent, that's where someone like Hansi Flick struggled. Like, and all, all this talk in Germany about the politics of it all, like, you know, the politics of the armbands and all that, you have to be a particular coach. And I think Deschamps and and Southgate are two good examples of this to navigate those murky waters and make your team solid, good for tournament football. This isn't league football. Um, Mm -hmm. I wouldn't, as much as I don't enjoy watching France and that much has been clear over the last month from all my podcast appearances, He's clearly good. At, he's clearly doing a good job. So yeah, completely in agreement with JJ on, on Deschamps' qualities. 
Yeah, I mean, I think as I think as well, um, like you said, you touched on you know Flick being quite disappointing uh, with regards to sort of the the rainbow armband. I, I know that he had some quotes recently that have kind of inflamed the situation again. I think another thing that that really is kind of a feather in Deschamps' cap is that he's able to block off the French national team from what's going on in the French Football Federation. Now, the French Football Federation does deserve credit in the way that France has you know left no stone uncovered in terms of uh, you know, unearthing talents who, you know, either are French born or are eligible to play for France and making sure that the very best, only the cream of the crop, you know, get to uh, international level and uh, and are considered for, for playing for Les Bleus. But also, you know, the French Football Federation has known no end of controversy these past sort of 12 months or so. That's probably going to get worse at the beginning of next year uh, when the results of an internal finding come out and we will see if potentially, uh, you know, the the decks have to be swept clear. That could include Deschamps. Maybe it doesn't. But Deschamps is the kind of guy who I think can shield the players who are in the international setup at that time from that kind of noise. And now... I think based on the, the understanding that the everyone in France has of the situation at the moment, Deschamps has the right to, to decide whether he stays on or not based on what he's achieved uh, at the World Cup. Uh, his contract is you know, expiring. So if he feels like he wants to get back into club football, this is his last opportunity, he can take that. But also if he feels he's still got something left to give at international level, while yep. uh, the situation remains the same uh, with the French Football Federation, he will be allowed to stay on. And if he does stay on, that will be for at least the next two years until Euro 2024. I'm really interested to see how this all plays out, JJ. And as you mentioned, Derek, it would be really nice to see an element of Cam going into a major tournament as to how France can handle that. Because it seems to it's, me like it's going ne- through, it's never It's never, never going to be, right? It, it will never be, right? <laughs> No, I mean, I mean, honestly, I've never, I've never known preparation for any tournament since I've covered them as a journalist where there hasn't been some sort of controversy. Do you not think that Zinedine Zidane can bring that, though, to this group? Because around Zidane, if you um, look at Real Madrid and all the noise, you don't think that he can bring an element of calm going into uh, leading this team into major tournaments? I mean, I think in many ways, Zidane is probably the coach that France will need at some point in the future with some of these young players coming through. I don't think that has to be tomorrow uh, in terms of the Euros. But I think one of the first things that would happen with Zidane, if he, if he does come in, say, at the beginning of 2023, is Karim Benzema will be eligible for selection and he probably will be part of that national team. That in itself suddenly becomes a massive controversy. So to think that Zidane comes in and, and you know, the French national team will be controversy free, uh, you know, I think is probably, you know, too, too wishful thinking. I think... France has have been as controversy free as possible under Deschamps, and even then, uh, you know they've still been absolutely ravaged by some of these stories. All right, we got to take a quick break. This has been a pretty long for segment, but certainly worthwhile. Thank you, JJ and James, for your opinions right there. James, I really hope you sorted that boiler out. We're looking forward to getting stuck into that comment and just is, a the, is the snowman out of shot in the corner of the room? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, All right, we're going to take a quick break, but when we return, we're going to get stuck into James Benj's power rankings for the 2026 World Cup. Certainly controversial. Stay right here. You're watching House of Champion. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball. And baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does. (laughs) Nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Well, don't stop watching the world's best soccer stream every match of the UEFA Champions League live on Paramount Plus. It's soccer's ultimate annual competition, not for country, but for club. Sign up today for 50% off an entire year using the code all year at paramountplus.com slash sports. Enjoy with James Benj and Jonathan Johnson. My boys are in the house and so is James Benj's controversial, controversial yes. power rankings recently released on uh, CBS Sports. Please make sure you go check it out. Um, great article, James. Well done, but my oh my, you have a lot to explain here. Let's talk about the power rankings first and foremost. I'm going to talk about the first five, all right? We got France at number one. We got Brazil at number two. We got England at three, Portugal at four, Spain at five. Um, Talk to me. Yeah, I don't see... See, there is controversy. I don't see much in... Certainly in the number one, and probably not the two and three. Um, I think, interestingly, a lot of people said I might actually be a bit down on England, certainly in the work slack. There was sort of questions about, actually, might England have a brighter future than Brazil? Like, they know that they have the the breakout superstar attackers. Um, they know that they have the midfield. And if you think Jude Bellingham was good in 2022, wait yep. till you see him in 2026. And that you can I'm say the it. same thing about Declan Rice, by the way, who is going to go to a top team, not the West Ham aren't a top, 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 top team just to go Jamie Redknapp. Um, the big question that hangs over. So I have, I have questions. I don't have any questions over France. I don't, I mean, obviously we've discussed them already. We all know how incredible their young players are with Brazil. The question is if, if Neymar's not back and he's not going to be the player he was, I suspect is someone like Vinicius junior ready to take the the mantle uh, for England, it is a little bit more worrying. Harry Kane will be, I believe, 32 going on 33 mm-hmm. in the USA. Will he? That's sort of right in the grey area of he could still be the man. If he isn't, there is no one coming through that we certainly that we know of now. Maybe a Rashford or a Foden or a player like that could develop into a centre forward. But and, and everything else about England looks so bright. But have they lost that that X factor striker? That's my worry with them. Yeah, I think in terms of uh, you know considering Brazil, uh, it sounds like Neymar is now going to take that Zlatan Ibrahimovic approach, where he basically takes time off for the meaningless games and then comes back for the important ones, which is never really ideal. Uh, you know when you've. Uh, you know, you've come so close to success or feel like you've come so close to success and it still eludes you. I mean, I, I, f- I fear for Brazil in many ways because they're going to have to move on from Cheech now as coach. And that means kind of rebuilding, uh, you know, the, the, the national team uh, as, as like a group. And in terms of their chemistry, there's going to be some old players, older heads, uh, you know, who need to go. Thiago Silva is not going to be there, you know, for the next World Cup as, well. evergreen, as, as evergreen as he has been. Uh, you know, I think that that was probably the, you know, the last hurrah for him, uh, you know, and they're, 
you know, with with Neymar, you just wonder if it, you know, will never actually sort of happen, uh, you know, on the international stage, certainly in terms of a World Cup. I mean, it really depends, depends on what he comes back and does with PSG. I'm expecting, you know, him to come back, look a bit moody, be a bit loafish. Um, so maybe he'll Neymar in, in the early months of the year, basically. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, mean, I hope I'm going to be surprised by him, but based on the comments that he'd had in the last sort of, 12 to 18 months he considered that as well his final world cup he doesn't think that he'll have the hunger the ability to stay focused on his game uh you know that leads him uh, up to another world cup i mean who knows we don't know what the future holds maybe he moves on from psg maybe he rediscovers his appetite for football a little bit maybe he finally gets the success that he craves with psg and that means that he wants to continue with brazil but i think at this moment in time there's certainly more questions than answers with brazil the talent's definitely there but you know, I do feel as well that like this England side is uh, is looking very, very good, and I'm I'm keen to see the rest of James's list. All right, let's let's have a look at the the graphic here that will bring up all of our rankings, and then we can really get stuck into it here. Um, I obviously disagree with uh, both of you on Brazil. Um, I have them as my top team, um, simply down to the fact that they have some really good youngsters coming through. That I'm hoping by the time 26 rolls around, they're ready to roll. Um, I'm really excited to see, as to your point, JJ, how Neymar reacts after this World Cup because I think he's having a great season at Paris Saint-Germain and I think he's a key factor to their success, how the season finishes. So I really hope that he doesn't come back to Paris now and go on party. I hope he doesn't go on a vacation. I hope he actually turns up and he can really help PSG do something special this season. I'm really excited to see how the Champions League plays out. Um, James, let's go into the remaining teams in your top 10. Yeah, I mean, so Germany are a, an ultra-intriguing one in the... I think I couldn't quite get my head around them. There are some good young players, but I think, and I think they will be good for a long time, but I think if they want to be great, and I'm sure you can talk about this with more authority than I can, Ian, mm-hmm. I think they need to almost do what they did after the sort of Euro 2004. And that before we see a great Germany, we may need a reset moment like they had after everything sort of was a bit underwhelming around Euro 2000. I mean, underwhelming, they still made the World Cup final in 2002. But they understood that they needed to change what German football was. And I worry that they went too far inadvertently. This is, I think this is true for a lot of national teams and a lot of academies, but Germany is, is almost leading the way in failing to produce strikers, failing to produce a lot of authoritative centre-backs. I know that Schlotterbeck is very good, high hopes for Bella Kotchup, and it's hard to know with young centre-backs. But they're just producing loads of technical midfielders. Like, it, th- there's no one to kick the ball in the net. I, I mean, this is true of England. This oh, is really? true of Portugal, maybe. It's mm. true of the of a lot of the teams I've got on this list. Definitely true of the US as well. <laughs> and and this is a, a big existential question for football. And I think normally when these things happen, 15 years later, we're going to end up with more strikers than we know what to do with. But... Um, yeah, I think Germany are kind of at the vanguard of like, you've gone too far in making technical attacking midfielders that will get bullied by, um, I noticed we've all got Morocco at 10 and we all think that this is going to have be like a proper veteran, hard to beat Morocco. Um, it's a I love story. I can, I can definitely see it 2026, like Miami or wherever, Morocco just absolutely <laughs> kicking seven shades of out of Germany on their way to the World Cup quarterfinals. <laughs> 
I think I think the fact that we've all put Morocco in that top 10 is probably reflective of the fact that we recognise that there's a lot of talent there and we've really enjoyed their run uh, at this World Cup that's just finished. But there's no guarantee of knowing what they're going to be like in four years' time. They could be much better, but also some of those key performers are not going to be there. I mean, you take Sice out of that team. Uh, you know, he's a really influential player at the back. He won't be there uh, in four years' time. And there's a couple of players who either might go off the boil uh, or might be considered just a bit too old. So, you know, I guess we'll keep them in there for, for argument's sake at the moment. I've gone for Argentina, surprisingly low down on that list because I feel that moving on from Messi, moving on from Di Maria, guys like that, is going to be very, very difficult. Of course, it's not going to happen immediately because they're going to want to play for the show celebrate finally being world champions uh, you know as they completely deserve to but for me I feel like the next world cup is going to be a tough one not necessarily sort of curse of the defending champions tough but I I certainly can't see them defending their title uh, at this moment in time but obviously it's you know two days out from the the end of the last tournament so uh, I mean Germany I completely agree with uh, with with James Uh, I think there's more questions than answers there I think Italy will come back stronger from their disappointment of not being at the world cup Mm -hmm. Uh, and I feel that Spain I, I, I feel more comfortable, um, you know, ranking the Netherlands and Portugal higher than Spain at the moment because until Spain actually show that uh, De La Fuente is the right dis- right choice to replace Enrique and that they have some goal-scoring presences there, I think their problems will still remain. They'll, you know, look like they're playing some nice pretty passes, but, you know, with nobody to put the ball in the back of the net, uh, it's difficult to really rank them as a, a potential favourite right now. The one, the ones who I think could do really well, separate them from the dra- drama of Cristiano Ronaldo, Portugal, for that one game, you know, looked great, looked like they really might upset the apple cart late on in the tournament. And for me, if, uh, you know, the next two to four years are, you know, without Cristiano Ronaldo, uh, you know, sort of having his overbearing influence, no negativity from Fernando Santos anymore. Love I that. think if you let them off the leash, uh, you know, they could be uh, your real surprise package there. All right, we've got a couple of minutes left. James, I've got to come to you here because we do have some comments jumping in, as you probably just noticed there. Matt saying, Ian and James, you really think the US men's national team is a top 10 team? I think that's pretty much a slap in our face there, James. JJ <laughs> well, apparently doesn't love the country that he's working for. Let, let's be... <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> JJ, you got to play it smart, mate. We want to be... We uh, want you, to know be what, you know what? I thought, I thought about this and I thought, do I put the USMNT in there? Do I put Canada in the there? The answer's always like, yes. And then, and then in like three and a half years' time, it'll be held up being like, look, look at this clown. Look at what he predicted. Um, Which well, is pretty I much what happens the point anyway. is it's sort of, what are the two sweetest words in the English language according to Homer Simpson? Default. And the US are going to be there. So if you're kind of thinking, <laughs> who might win the World Cup? Well, the US have one advantage over all bath two other teams in my power rankings in that they will actually definitely be there like lightning isn't going to stru- strike you know them and you know that the, they vanish off the face of the earth you know i mean especially with the world being what it is just knowing that you're going to be at the world cup puts you a fair way ahead of everyone else i should say as well and you can read this all on on cbs uh, on our website unlike these two uh, wastrels i was instructed to do my l- rankings up to 25 <laughs> Um, so I just wanted to throw out a few of those. I had a Ukraine right. at 11. Mm-hmm. I mean, remember, this is a team that won the uh, the under-20 World Cup most recently. You've got Mudrik, you've got Lunin, you've got um, Zabani as well. Like mm-hmm. We talk about t- countries that you don't know what it'll be like in a few years' time. And obviously, you know, I hope that 2023 is a lot brighter for the people of Ukraine. I think they've got a really, really good football team that are going places. 
The other ones to obviously mention, no one's, I thought someone would put them in the top 10. Uh, Norway, Erling Haaland, Martin Erdegaard. They're quite Let's hope good. So. Let's hope so. And, I, th- um, I think the the only reason that I wouldn't put somebody like a Norway in, and I, I say this because I asked some, I asked a Norwegian journalist about it a few months ago, and there were just so many questions about every single member of the team, bar yeah. Haaland and and Odegaard, and yeah. the feeling is that it's going to be harder for Haaland to to really sort of. Uh, rebuild himself in the same way that Zlatan Ibrahimovic did to carry fellow Scandinavian nation Sweden over a, a ten-year period or so. That's yeah. true. I do, I do wonder how long Haaland's spell at the top will be. It's like a, a Joel Embiid, isn't it? Where you wonder. The other one I wanted to mention was Ghana. Um, they've that that team. No one quite kind of said it at the time, including myself. They were the youngest 15. team at the World Cup. Fifteen on your rankings. Nice. Yeah, and they're, they're a really, really young squad. You're running through that list. Kudus, 22. Lamptey, 22. Oh, they're all 22, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, there's some there's some real talent. And, you know, I, I think the 48 World Team World Cup will have its drawbacks. Um, but I think, I, I mean, I didn't get the sense that 32, there, was, there were that many bad teams in the field of 32. Yeah. I thought maybe you could argue there weren't any if you saw what Costa Rica and Canada did. Mm-hmm. So I think that might be the fun that just, I think 48 might be too big and I'm with you, you can never that. go back. The problem is you can never turn it round. We're never having another 32 team world cup, but I do think there is, when you're going through this list, I think there's enough strength and depth that there are more than 32 good teams that could be at a world cup. So the only is, there, is there not a, is there not a way that they tweak it? Cause I know that Infantino has uh, not wasted any time in coming out or there's been suggestions that he's now thinking about a three yearly world cup, as opposed to he failed with the, the every two years thing, but you know, wanting to shave one year off of that, uh, you know, four year wait, maybe there is a possibility that they go with something sort of, in the between. I'd love a, a play-in tournament that you have 32, but maybe you 16 automatically qualify and it begins with another knockout stage, something like that. Like the playoffs we do, but kind of right on the cusp. I think that might be really fun. All right, let's move on because we do have some breaking news. Uh, JJ, what do you got for us? Yeah, unfortunately, one part of the fallout about uh, France's post-final news that uh, I didn't touch on earlier was the racist abuse um, towards the likes of Kingsley Coman, uh, already in Chouameni. The French Football Federation have issued a statement saying that uh, they absolutely condemn uh, that uh, sort of behavior completely understandably uh, and will be filing complaints and and pushing charges uh, against those guilty. So obviously very, very disappointing that that sort of thing, uh, you know, still happens but it feels like at the same time we're a long way away from it being eradicated from the game unfortunately yeah it is and it feels like it's it's continuously there and it's always there and every time you see defeat or disappointment it seems to creep back into our game it needs to be eradicated completely but how do you do that that's the question and i think we can put a show on at some point and we can really get stuck into it as to what we can all do to try and get this out of our game completely and forever because it needs to be gone um let's turn it to a positive before we end here some of the scenes coming out of uh, buenos aires were, were simply sensational um james you in particular obviously when you see a messi and um the team celebrating in front of their home fans. I mean, first and foremost, great to see Messi back in Argentina. I don't think I've seen a picture of him back in his home nation for a long time. But these scenes are pretty unique and special. That, that is, it is incredible. I mean, you're talking two million people on, this, on the streets of Buenos Aires and so much, you know, 
fun, enjoyable content. Have we all seen the uh, the abuela who seems to have one of the best apartments in the uh, in the entire city uh, out on the, the is it the I think she's in the Obelisk Square, isn't she? And people chanting the name of this old uh, grandmother. I think you know. I, I mean, you know what JJ was telling us about there took me back to those really horrible experiences in England last summer. And it's we can't not talk about that or forget about that. Yeah, it's it's but equally it is something of a salve to see this to see an entire nation celebrating with each other. And this is what it should be like. I know it's harder to do that if you've lost a final, but celebrate where you got to. Um, yeah, and amazing to see uh, see these scenes. Thank God Messi wasn't electrocuted because I know they say go out <laughs> leaving them wanting more. But um, I mean, it would have been quite a code. <laughs> you know, you know what though, I wouldn't have been complaining if it had been Leandro Paredes who had been struck down by that electrical wire. No, I'm, jo- <laughs> I'm, I'm, jo- I'm, jo- I'm joking. I'm being, I'm being facetious. You know, all, all of the Argentina clip that, squad, clip that. That's going out as a short. <laughs> all of the Argentina squad begrudgingly deserve their success. The one thing I will add on that is having been part of the the scenes on the Champs Elysees back in 2018. It's a phenomenal experience. Uh, you know, something like that when the whole country comes together, people lining the streets to to, yeah. to greet the bus. It's uh, it's truly phenomenal. In fact, the one the one thing that I saw on social media, which I found incredible, was there's the video of the person cycling down the street as the yeah. final penalty Amazing. is being taken. And just Amazing. when the noise is coming out and the people running out onto the streets starting to celebrate, it's, it is it is phenomenal. Brings back a lot of memories from uh, four years ago as well. All right. Last one from me before we go, because I got the Best Buy guys here again, trying to get into my house here. They're looking at me. <laughs> Um, real quickly uh, they come to take the screens away that you had installed for the World Cup yeah they're coming to take me away JJ I'm completely (laughs) wired and and exhausted now they're going to replace me I'm totally done for Um, but you know when you have a World Cup celebration like this a lot of people come out of the woodworks and you see some in my opinion you see some celebrities and certain people (laughs) getting an opportunity can I I just touch upon Salt Bay getting on the pitch did you guys see Salt Bay on the pitch touching Lionel Messi first and foremost? Which I uh, Messi handled it so well, and he JJ obviously knowing him personally, he he handles these situations incredibly well. But it looked to me like he was pissed off with the fact that this guy had his hands all over him, and it annoyed me so much the fact that he had his hands all over the World Cup trophy. I mean, it's not supposed to be able to. Like right. FIFA, if you go on FIFA's website, they say that basically the people that can, t- if you've not won a World Cup and you're not a head of state and you're not Gianni Infantino who won't let the thing go, <laughs> you can't touch the World Cup. Those are the FIFA regulations. Um, and it's, it's for, as far as it can, I can tell, it, it's that he's mates with, with Gianni Infantino that he got on the pitch. That seems to be what the speculation is. I mean, I don't know what words we're allowed to use in this podcast. Whatever so I'm just going to go for Pillock. What a cataclysmic Pillock this guy is with his stupid salt, his ludicrously overpriced dates. Obviously, I've never eaten one. I've spoken to people they have. They say it's rubbish. Well, you'd need to remortgage your house if you entonate one, wouldn't you? I, you go past a place in, in Knightsbridge. There are dozens of expensive but cheaper, really nice restaurants. And you see people queuing up so that they can get an Instagram picture with that. It's yeah, bleep me, just bleep me, Des. I need to be bleeped from here on out. <laughs> just to, I mean, how can I just one more p- p- thing I want to say? I this want is you the to World swear. Cup. I want you to curse. You can, get, you're allowed you can to. get any celebrity you want on the pitch. You know, this is you could get yeah. Michael Jackson 
you can get the Pope on the pitch. You can get the Queen of England. You get her on the pitch. That's how big a deal this is. That's how it, big the excitement is. You've got Salt Bay. He's so D-list. Yeah. Like, give me I'm some stars. You. It's embarrassing. Yeah, I, t- I, to- I totally agree. I mean, I, I kind of feel like I should go and open up a mediocre steak restaurant now and see if I can become even yeah. like half as successful I bet they as, don't have uh, one as he Paris, unfortunately has. Uh, not that I remember, but we actually have genuinely properly good yeah. uh, steak restaurants. And some of the best, obviously, uh, are the Argentine ones. Nothing better than a, a glass of Malbec and uh, some uh, very rarely well done uh, meat. Uh, that's obviously a controversial opinion to have in France, but I've made so many enemies this World Cup with my allegiances uh, that uh, one more won't uh, won't hurt. But I mean, I think as well, something else that maybe got lost because obviously Mbappe uh, was on the losing side and not the winning side was you have Macron going onto the pitch as well, oh. pestering him, not not what you know, touching him and you know, wanting to be associated with him despite not winning the World Cup. And, you know, of course I can understand him wanting to have his word and everything like that. But, you know, minutes, seconds after the final whistle, knowing that you've lost, just, you know, let him have like a moment just to an important you know, moment. let it sink in. And yeah, I mean, just, you know, leave him alone just for just for a couple of minutes. It, I mean, you saw that go. You for know it. why it's important? Because he has to remember this moment, the next World Cup. He has to feel those moments, those emotions that he's living. He has just scored a hat-trick in a World Cup final. You have to feel it so that it inspires you to that next World Cup. You don't need this idiot in your ear yapping absolute BS. Sorry, I'd add that. No, no, no. I think it's, uh, you know, I think it's completely, uh, completely correct. Uh, you know, and I think, you know, Infantino has... Uh, you know, a lot of things that he'll have to address and justify in terms of yeah. what was allowed, uh, you know, regarding that uh, that World Cup final and sort of the the events that went on afterwards, notably uh, Salt Bay and uh, that unsavory uh, appearance. All right, boys, uh, got to get out here. Best Buy is uh, literally knocking in the studio door right here. Uh, what's on the schedule for you guys coming up? Obviously, we do have House of Champions uh, for the next few days. Um, but any games coming up, JJ, that you might be t- attending? Any lower league games? How about you, James? Anything? I am doing nothing before Christmas. Then it goes mad. Uh, I've I've, I've tried to avoid Boxing Day, but uh, Chelsea Bournemouth will be my first game back on the 27th. See if Graham Potter's team can turn it around. Oh, 24 hours later, I'll be at PSG against Strasbourg. We have the French equivalent of Boxing Day, which is obviously not on Boxing Day. But uh, it's, the fir- it's the first time since uh, <laughs> since the war that the French will have games sort of in this period just before uh, New Year's Day because there's a match on the 28th and then a match on the 1st. And then that's when your Coupe de France uh, fixtures come in as well. Super, boys. Great stuff as always. James, we appreciate your power rankings. Great article. Everybody go check it out on cbsports.com and uh, look out for James and John. All their articles are across there. Follow them closely on their social media platforms as well. They do an excellent job, not only for CBS Sports, but also covering the beautiful game. We appreciate you both. I'll see you again uh, tomorrow. Everybody out there, thank you so much for tuning into the show. Uh, please make sure you take a minute to leave us a rating and review on your favorite podcast platform. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere else we listen to your podcast. Also available as video, so subscribe to us on YouTube. The numbers throughout the World Cup have been truly remarkable. We cannot thank you all enough, but I can't thank James and John enough for what they have done for House of Champions and uh, the great people they are. Appreciate you boys. Enjoy a couple of days. Everybody out there, we'll see you again tomorrow.
Every sport has their big, juicy controversy. Boxing has the Mike Tyson ear bite. Cycling has Lance Armstrong. Baseball has its steroid era. Curling has... Broomgate. It's a story of broken relationships, houses divided, corporate rivalry, and a performance-enhancing broom. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate. Available now.